Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. More Automotive Group Hotline from uh, Sports Talk, Bob Lovell, Friday and Saturday nights. Got a big weekend sectional semifinal Friday night. You got the finals tomorrow. Bob Lovell brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations, run by Joe Childers. That's CarX.com to maintain late winter road readiness today. Hello, Bob. Hey, John. How are you? We got a sellout in Noblesville tonight, from what I've heard. Is that accurate? I wouldn't. It, it should be. It, you know, how can you. How could you not get excited about that game? Um, and I just think, you know, to this point, the, the whole thing's been great, to be honest, John, but there's no way it's not a sellout. There's no way a lot of these aren't all jam-packed and sold out, John. They're, they're just – there's tremendous basketball going on all over the state. Tonight. No, I, I completely agree with you on that. I just it just looks like with with how that looks, you know, certainly up in Noblesville, that uh, a sellout would be accurate because there's a lot of good stuff going on tonight in that sectional semifinal. Well, Westfield Noblesville starts it off at six, and then you have the rematch of the Mudstock game, as they like to call it in. Hamilton County with HSC and Fishers. So Fishers comes in ranked number one, Noblesville number two, Westfield, I think third or fourth, somewhere in there. So, you know, when we did the pairing show, we said that was one of, if not the best sectionals in the state. Uh, Nothing to this point has changed your mind. You see Fishers eliminates Carmel in the first round and just to show you how tough it is. So, yeah, I mean, that's a a great sectional. Uh, As good as there is in the state, and these teams are phenomenal, quite frankly. Yeah, no, out in Westfield, Noblesville, as Bob mentioned, uh, Hamilton, Southeastern, and Fishers, 19 and 2, 21 and 2, 15 and 9, and 23 and 1. That is loaded in Noblesville, Bob. It really is. It's been, it's, and it's been that competitive all year long. These teams are really good. At Lawrence North, John, you've got. Cathedral taking a Lawrence Central and an Attics playing Lawrence North. <laughs> a couple of really good games right there. Yeah, you got that. Southport tonight, Decatur Central, Ron Colley, Ben Davis in Southport, uh, Avon, Terre Haute South over at uh, Terre Haute South, Terre Haute North and Brownsburg, a part of that too. Martinsville, Bloomington South, Centigro, Bloomington North. That's just to name a few in 4A that we're talking about. Yeah, as we mentioned, it is loaded. It is loaded, and we, you and I have talked about this before. This is uh, semifinal Fridays, in some respects, may be the best night of the entire time. I mean, you've got, obviously, you know, four games going on at, at sites all over the state. Clearly, tomorrow night, championship night with that sort of drama. But tonight, tonight, we have a whole lot of games. I mean, really, really good matchups. So Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, is going to have you uh, covered. All right, you cover the entire state. Uh, your wealth of affiliation around the state of Indiana has your back, or you got to hit absolutely everything. So we mentioned a lot of the things here in central Indiana, Hamilton County, Marion County, Hancock County, whatever. Um, around the state, what other matchups are you looking at that you're going to cover later on tonight just out of our general vicinity, Bob? I think you always, uh, at this time of year, go down south uh, to the the Lagodi sectional. Uh, You have Reve and Orleans, but you have Bar Reeve and Lagodi. You know, Bar Reeve Lagodi is always one of the, whenever they play, uh, their gyms are full. Uh, It's it's jam packed. They're two really, really good teams. Lagodi, you know, not as highly rated as they have been. Uh, Bar Rebrandt number two in single A. I I, I really I, I love that all the time. I think that, that year in and year out, that's a, a pretty good matchup. Evansville Christian uh, is, is is really really good. Ranked number one off and on. They're at the Tecumseh sectional playing Northeast Du Bois, which is a really really that's an interesting matchup to say the least. Uh, I, I think. Um, Another one that comes to mind, quite frankly, Linton Stockton and Sullivan over to Paoli sectional. And Sullivan's having one of those years. They're yeah. really, really good. 
Linton Stockton is Linton Stockton. In the second game of that, I mentioned this, South Knox taking on uh, one of your favorite yeah. schools, Eastern Green. So, yeah, the Thunderbirds. They have not had a good year in their regular season, yeah. Bob. They are, but they're they're in the wrong sectional because they're the you know, <laughs> South played well. Linton Stockton is really good, and as I mentioned, Sullivan has only lost only two or three games to this point, and so uh, it's a tough matchup for your guys. Um, you know that's that's a really really good sectional over in Greencastle, uh, Southmont, and North Putnam. But Park Heritage is having uh, a tremendous season. I'm excited about the Park Tudor Covenant Christian matchup at Sheridan, uh, pulling for my guy Timmy Adams, and hope that they're able to to move on. And um, you know, you, it, it just John again. Not to sound redundant, but I really am. There are great matchups all over the state, and uh, that's why this is so much fun and why we all enjoy this time of year and look so forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk. He's going to have you covered both tonight. Tomorrow night, make sure you're up to date whenever he's on. The Boilers of Michigan State will be in action coming up tomorrow evening. He'll uh, keep you updated on that. Uh, then, of course, we're just really a, a big-time college basketball weekend. Maybe a preview of the Sycamores going for the outright title in the Mo Valley on Sunday against Murray State, right? You'll be glued to the TV, or or, or you could be there. I'm going. I mean? Yes. Greg Rakestraw and I are going on Sunday. Good for you. Uh, it um, The place will be jam-packed, and I, I, think they'll, I think they'll be in good shape, to be honest with you. I think they uh, – you know, quite frankly, they they are. Um, you just like how they've turned things around at this particular time to get themselves back in into the uh, the mix. That's not an easy thing to do, uh, and they've they've done it and done it well. And so I'm excited about the the opportunity. They really do, as we've talked about before. It'd be great uh, to win the outright. It's all wonderful, but you still got to get yourself now. Uh, you got to get through. Uh, the tournament and to assure yourself uh, of a spot in the NCAA tournament. I think th- I think they're good. I think the fact that they've turned some things around uh, has to get people's attention. And uh, th- they're certainly capable, and I think they're deserved, deserving of being in the tournament. But we'll just wait. But have fun tomorrow, really. That'll be – I'm jealous I, to be – I have I'm told jealous. Josh Schertz, I told him yesterday, I said, my motto around here is because I have now – made people around here an Indiana State fan. I said, listen, uh, if not for Indiana State, there's going to be basically one team representing the state of Indiana, and that's Purdue. So everybody is a Sycamore fan now. So I've made everybody around here into a Sycamore fan. I just had told Josh Schertz, I said, my, my motto is for you guys, you got to win it to be in it. I don't trust anybody, especially any committee. Zero. Nothing. No. On at no. large. You're 100% right. Having worked in the Horizon League for seven years, a few years back, being in charge of all the basketball, you know, we've talked about this before, uh, the power conferences don't want Missouri Valley teams in the in the league, and they're on the committee. They have a strong uh, – they have strength in those committees. And so, uh, yeah, you need to take care of business and, and not uh, not – Put it in the hands of some people you don't know, but you also know they don't want you there. You need to take it out of their hands and win the whole thing outright. They'll be rocking tonight, tomorrow night. That's Indiana Sports Talk and our good friend Bob Lovell every Friday with our high school sports rundown brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations run by Joe Childers. That's CarX.com to maintain late winter road readiness today. Bob, have an absolute blast this weekend. We'll do it again coming up next Friday. Thanks, John. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk right there. The Ride with JMV. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. (laughs) It'd be a lot cooler if you did. (laughs) 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, the... Mike Wells, 4 o'clock hour, slow jammery entry, courtesy of the soundtrack of greatness from the 1980s, Crush Groove. Mike's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Mike Wells, here's your slow jam. I stand all alone, to often turn in. Mm. Uh. 
Tender love. Tender <laughs> love. Let still come. I can't sing you for. Oh, here we go, Jay. Here we go, Jay. You got it. Tender love. Tender love. You're so tender. Close to me. Baby, I surrender. There you go. Four Shimdies. Tender love. I was going to give you a little bit of background vocal on that one, too, if you needed it. Well done. Um, hey, look, hey, four Shimdies. Hey, hey, movie. Got to be Crush Groove, right? It is. What's your favorite song from the Crush Groove soundtrack? Man, I got, I, you know what? It's been so long. I just know Crush Grooving. Body moving. That's awesome. Body moving. Let me tell you this. The first time I ever saw the Beastie Boys, and they had a song called She's On It that they performed, and that's on that soundtrack. Um, Here's one. The Gap Band had a song called Love Triangle, which is equally awesome. It was on that. Um, Sheila E. was uh, Rock Rock, Holly Rock. Everybody got a Holly Rock. That's on there, too, I think, right? So. Oh man, hey, listen! I tell you, I you know it's funny. The first time I wanted to go to New York, I I was the Chris Group came out like eighty three, eighty four, somewhere around there. It was when the Fat Boys were in the uh, the they basically had the Italian spot, the pizza spot buffet. Yep. I was like, man, I don't want to be as big as the boys, but if I can get up in there and eat like that in New York City, I'm good. That is. Man, that, that's one of my. That's around the time. Crush Groove is around the time, like Break In, Electric yep. Boogaloo, and stuff. All those movies are out, came out around the same time. Beat Street, the, uh, early. Yes, early to uh, mid eighties. Uh, I um the the Fat Boys that was that was big with us too. I, I could not do the Human Beatbox stuff. I couldn't. Whatever that was. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, my hey, my sister who was sporting a Jerry curl at the time. Had the Jerry Curl juice running on the collar of her polos yeah. back then. She could seriously beatbox, man. She used to kill it with the fat boys like that. Man, those are the good old days right there. Crush Groove and the Force MDs and Tender Love. The Mike Wells slow jammer entry on this Friday. Did you catch the Pacers on Wednesday night at home against the Pelicans? Man, hey, no, because thank, thank God uh, your favorite member of the Welch had a basketball game. So we were up in Westfield, and based off of Twitter, as I was checking the score, as we were making a drive home, it just came across once again. It's the same thing we were talking about a week ago today, Jay. Yeah. Why, why, why people can't fully buy in on what the Pacers are? On what, you know, why, they, why you can't believe that, okay – they can close the gap and climb the ladder in Eastern Conference. They continue to put themselves in a the position where they unfortunately tinkle down their legs against teams they should be beaten. Well, I, t- I will tell you this, and, and obviously you go back to Sunday and against Dallas, I thought that that was their best game of the season. I really did from start to finish. And then, you know, you mentioned that the tinkle down your leg factor. That was the second of the back-to-back against Toronto on Monday. And I brought this up a little bit earlier. It's just like it's really good. It's bad. It's really good. I mean, on Wednesday, I thought that game against the Pelicans, I thought from start to finish was their most professional win because they, at the start, Start. They started out with a big lead. You saw the second half, especially the Pelicans counterpunched. And then in the final three minutes on both ends of the floor, it was Halliburton taking over. It was Miles showing some defense. And they put away the Pelicans, which I think that's what everybody wants to see. It's just you want to see it on a more consistent basis. You don't want to go from Dallas on Sunday all the way down to that Toronto Monday thing and then back up again, and then I, you don't hold your breath about what you're going to see in New Orleans coming up later on tonight. Well, so that's, that's what I was ask you uh, off of that. Obviously, you play that, that home, basically that home road uh, back-to-back against the Pelicans. If they were to go out, go down and lose tonight, would you discredit what 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 happened on Wednesday? I gotta tell you, you know, as I yeah, again, you know, I completely had my day screwed up. But yeah, you go out, Zion gets twenty three, Ingram gets thirty, uh, CJ McCollum gets twenty three, and you still go out and still win the basketball game the way they did. 
does it lose some luster off of it? Or are you like, you know what, down the road, uh, playing, you know, against a Pelican team that's, you know, going to, you know, make the playoffs? Or do you look at it as, okay, it's a, a warning, yet another warning flag. I, I look at it this way. You've got to start stringing together some wins. And, and the reason being is you're going to end up in the play-in. And I, I think we all understand this has been way too good of a season for them to end up in that situation. And you've got you know all these teams, like the whole – the, the whole definition of the East with that group in mind, it is changing on a nightly basis. So the one that's going to get out of that is the one that's going to string together consistently wins. And the schedule gives them the opportunity. It is just some nights that play, especially in a quarter or two or especially a fourth quarter, doesn't lend you to believe. But here's what I brought up last week, and I want to see if you're with me on this. I had called for them to win 45 games. Uh, They are still on target to win 45 games, and people have asked me, hey, do you feel bad about being so critical of them when they're still on target to get into that neighborhood in which you suggested they would at the beginning of the season? And my response has been yes, because I have raised the bar. I thought you raised the bar when you made that deal for Siakam. So I raised the bar of their consistent level of play a little bit higher, even than when I felt they were going to win 45 at the start of the season. Okay, so let me let me uh, let, let me uh, let me let me go ahead and throw this out there then. So let's just say they only end up winning forty five games, and we talked the, the bar is a lot higher because of the deal of Siakam. So if they get just finish forty five, even though won't say forty six wins, do you are you pissed about it because of the expectations when they went out and got Siakam to help hopefully? You know, have even more success. I think it's all dependent yeah. upon their finish, their finish, and what they look like in the postseason. Now, I do because I, I really do think the expectations were raised to a point now to where we all we all had. I think this team being better, but you were just kind of cautioned about it at the beginning of the season, and now you know they, they gave you a reason to raise that bar a little bit. And I think everybody out there should. So I think it's all dependent upon how they finish and what they do in the postseason, which I think also equates to postseason position, which will, I think, lend to the amount of success that they have. So I think it all depends on that. I don't think we know, for example, right now. Okay, so I'm set, I'm sitting, I'm about to set you and I up. We're going get, to get, get ourselves set up to potentially – have people come back at us yeah. on this one, and and I, and I say that because we have we we've talked about games they've lost that they probably should have won and everything. Where they're sitting at right now, how many wins do they finish the season with? You think, in your in your opinion, do they surpass forty five and get closer to fifty? I think I think that they probably surpass forty. I don't know if they get closer to fifty. I do think they they get over forty five now. What are they at thirty four? I think presently, right, 34 uh, as yeah. it stands. So that's going to take 11 more. I mean, I don't think I would be off to to suggest you better. I mean, hell, you better win 11 more. Let me let me see right here, for example, New Orleans tonight, San Antonio on the road at Dallas. Minnesota's good back here on Thursday of next week at Orlando, at OKC. Those are all incredibly tough games in what is supposed to be a soft schedule after the All-Star break. But here's where the softness occurs. And what's been problematic, Mike, about them is they haven't handled those teams below them very well. Chicago now. Brooklyn, you got a couple of different times down the stretch. Detroit, you get Chicago again. You get, again, Brooklyn three times in all. Uh, so it, I think it all comes down to what you end up doing against the teams that you've kind of loafed against, unfortunately, so far this season. Hey, I, it's funny you said it. I was going to say, you know, I got more faith in the Pacers against the teams that are quote-unquote good teams in the NBA than I do in the teams that are, you know, the boo-boo teams. Like, you know, if they, uh, they probably wish they could play Milwaukee, even though Milwaukee's playing better basketball with Doc Rivers right now, that they could play even more games against the Milwaukee Bucks and everything. But, yeah, I have more faith in them against the good teams than the teams that, they, that you look at them on paper and say, all right, this is a, a 
a they'll find a way to win the game no matter what. Mike, I'll tell you this. Let's go with their their final eight right here, beginning on the 29th of March. That's on a Friday at home against the Lakers. Their final eight goes Lakers, Brooklyn, Brooklyn at a home-and-home, home, OKC here, Miami here, Toronto and Cleveland on the road, and Atlanta here. You have an opportunity to close really strong in your final eight. So to me, it's going to depend upon exactly how you position yourself in between right there. But you have a very winnable, could get on a run in your final eight situation to me. Yeah, and, and, and think about that. Let's take it a step further. They go in the playoffs into the postseason feeling good. Not, not with as many question marks going into the postseason. They feel they feel good about themselves going in and, you know, potentially not having much doubt about who they're facing if they're, if they're able to, to close, close the regular season on a strong note. Yeah, that's it. That's kind of how I just – I spread it out a little bit because I think everybody just kind of has said, you know, after the All-Star break, you look at the numbers and the pace of schedule softens. But you got OKC a couple of times. Orlando's got you. If you lost one to Golden State, you got to go out west again. You've lost one already to the Clippers. So – it's not as easy as I think you first thought, but if you can maintain and get to that final eight, I think really in that stretch run, which let's just face it, you string together some wins no matter where you are in the East right now, but in the position where the Pacers are or anybody else for that matter, then you can really set yourself up. And I think the Pacers have a final eight opportunity to do that if it holds. You mentioned Orlando's playing good basketball now. I mean, yeah. earlier in the season, I'm like, oh, this team made me good. But, uh, I mean, they're, they're sitting right now in the sixth seed in the East. They got the exact same number, the exact same record as the Pacers. Yeah. So, uh, I remember when you were talking about, oh, my God, the schedule's favoring them and stuff down the stretch. And they can make some good things happen out of it. So, it, it, it'll, it'll be intriguing on which team shows up. But again, I have more faith in the Pacers against the good, the quote unquote good teams in the league than the ones who are supposed to be wins for them. Yeah, that's what's going to be disappointing. There's no way around that. You're going to get to the end of the year, no matter where they are, you know, more positive than negative, but you're going to look back at Portland twice, at Chicago, at Charlotte a couple of different times, Toronto a couple of different times. You're going to look back at those games and go, man, what could have been? There's no way around that reflection, Mike, when the season's over. Yeah, 100%. Um did you did you do the combine this week? Did you do it? I went down there on Wednesday. Ballard? Yeah, it was a blast. Did, did have, yeah, blast. Did you have Ballard on the show? Uh, no, Ballard uh, went on with uh, Sweebo in the morning. I was supposed to have Steichen, and he was sick. And then I was supposed to have oh. Rappaport, and he did three other shows and then left. <laughs> hey, so all right, so here's my question. And I was never supposed to have Schefter. Never, ever supposed to have Schefter. So the question is, are you more – so who did you more wrong? Rappaport for ghosting you or how things went down with Schefter many, many years ago? Now, I, would, um, I, would rather, I would rather talk to anybody than Adam Schefter. Anybody. <laughs> I don't care who it is. If it's somebody that's helping clean up after everything's gone, I'd rather talk to that person than him. Because even when, and then, I don't know if it's just me, and I, I think by now it is just me, but he's he was just, when he was at the NFL Network and on with me, and they were promoting him all the time, and they were putting him on my afternoon show at NDE when I was over there, he was awful. He was just always short and acted like he didn't want to be there. So that had to be more like me because he doesn't act like, you know, he doesn't act like a horse's rear end to McAfee like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's got to just be me. And now I think I understand that. And I probably should own it, right? I don't know if I should put a badge on myself for it, but I should just own the fact that it, it never really worked. There's not one good one from the NFL network to ESPN, not one that ever worked. It was all bad. Man, so basically, you're, you're throwing in the towel for the NFL folks at either one of those stations. I'm trying to get trying to get the uh, heavyweights to come on the show with you. Listen, we I have a good time and a good conversation with everybody. It's just never for whatever reason 
worked out with him, and then he caught me on a bad day when I was sick, and he gave me that crap, and I gave him the crap right back and kind of embarrassed us both on the air. So, really, it's not like, it's not like again, I, I didn't win any badge of courage for that either. I, I, look, like a, a, I look like a butthole, so that didn't help me either. No, that, that's okay. I got to tell you, and, and this is nothing bad. It's not bad because it's good if you're a Colts fan and you're the Colts organization. But as I um, was paying attention to uh, Ballard when he met with the media um, down there on Wednesday, I was like, man, this is boring. Yeah, because really? you're drafting, I mean, you're drafting know, 15th right now, and you're in your number eight. I don't know. And you got to reboot. I mean, there's really not much. Like, I will say this. I don't think there's much out there that the people covering the team or the people that are fans of the team that that you know they don't truly understand what's necessary right now. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. He he's gave, he gave updates on Anthony Richardson. Yeah. You know, Pierce Michael Pierce Michael Pittman's not going anywhere. But normally, every year in, in the season press conference at the combine, there's always some type of drama. But it was this, it, this was like a whole hum. I'm like, all righty then. Uh, so, hey, hey. It's good for the, the boys who are covering them. They're, they're not chasing a bunch of crazy things. But I'm just like, yeah, this is this is not a, a normal Ballard offseason. You think I have given him three years. After last year's reboot of confidence from Jim Irsay, I gave him, obviously, this past year, you see what happens, and then you see growth in year two, and then year three to see it all finally start to come together. Others tell me that maybe it all starting to come together this year is going to be necessary. Do you think, and and again, I'm not going to say a large level of success. You know, they didn't win the division when it was right there in their hands. They didn't go to the postseason when it was right there in their hands. So you look at it that way. However, they had a much better season than most thought that they were going to have. Does that expedite, you know, the whole process of Ballard in this reboot, either turning it around in year number two or being on the hook maybe a year in front of what a lot of us thought it was going to be? Well, see, this this is where I, I, I look at it. This was the second, and, and I know, yes, it's Carson Wentz, but this is the second time in three seasons, this was the second time in three years, that the Colts went into the final week of the season. They just had to win. They made the playoffs. Uh, clearly, the the, the uh, twenty what was that twenty twenty one season that was just that was just that just turned out to be a disaster. But you're at home. You're at home. Yes, the backup quarterback. All you have to do is win at home against a rookie quarterback, a damn good rookie quarterback, and you couldn't do that to make the playoffs. Like I I, I know they won more. They 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 exceeded more considering. You know, the downfall of Shaq Leonard, the Jonathan Taylor situation, you know, the, obviously the Anthony Richardson situation. But I'm not a believer in saying, okay, they exceed their expectations one more games than what people thought. You're at home, final week 18, all you got to do is win a game and get to the postseason and you lost. So if I'm Jim Mersey, if I'm, I'm the, the uh, Colts, I'm like, all right, come on, Chris. You, you can't keep getting close to the finish line but not running through the tape as a, as a winner. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it just it, it's funny because it was told to me, Mike, that, that maybe the three years that I thought was logical, maybe you pushed that up a little bit because clearly they didn't win anything last year. There was nothing to win last year. There was nothing but, once again, disappointment at the end of the regular season. But they did play better for the most part, and it kind of makes you wonder, especially – you know, with, with Anthony Richardson and whether or not he's able to stay out there, where this might be, and then how you view, you know, Chris Ballard's situation round two after year number two compared to what we all thought was maybe going to be a three-year window once again of a wait and see. So it's it's really weird because we're in a spot, Mike, and you know this from covering the team so long, where you rarely have seen somebody go into an eighth year of running a football team with the lack of results that he has had. Yeah. They, I, and they, I don't even they, know who it would be. Well, no, God, man. But going into the eighth year with only one playoff win. One one playoff win and one to correct me, please correct me if I'm wrong. Three playoff appearances, luck. Luck, Rivers, and Minshew. 
Oh, yeah, Minshew hadn't been in. No, I'm talking about in the playoffs. In the play, go, man, oh, oh, no. No, no Minshew, no. yeah, that was a regular season. Yeah. So, yeah, Minshew didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what, two playoff appearances, Luck and Rivers. It, yeah, it went, uh, yeah, Luck and yeah, luck and Rivers. Luck won one in Houston, lost in Kansas City, and Rivers and company lost, lost when they were the extra team, by the way, the extra yeah. wild card team. They go to Buffalo and lose. And lost, you know, that was the Kamoko Ture, not focus game. So, yeah, so, man, I, I, <laughs> Kamoko I Ture, to... <laughs> yes. That's a little instant recall from you. Man, I'm trying to throw in a bonus playoff appearance. <laughs> it, 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 so it's, only, it's only two. In eight years. Hey, I did want to ask you this, and listen, uh, it is for Chuck Strong and for cancer, and we are all for any promotion whatsoever to battle that ridiculously awful, blankable disease. We're all, all in the same gang for that, and we always will be. However, I did want to ask your thoughts because it was brought up to me earlier this week. Andrew Luck, evidently in April, is going to make an appearance at the Chuck Strong Gala, as it stands. And then that got everybody asking me, all right, well, the next step is going to be Ring of Honor. And then I counter with my stance where it has been is he doesn't go to the Ring of Honor until this team cashes in at a very high level of winning here. Until that is not ever going to be completely gone with that decision, and then afterwards, what happened with the losing, the consistent quarterback change, they have to win at an incredibly high expected level before he could ever have that consideration and the fans be on board with it. Is that fair to say still? I got to disagree with you on that one. I, I, I can't say until they start winning because you, we, we know how this is a year-to-year league. They can go out and suck next year, and, you know, who knows what could happen. I think, man, it'll be five years in, in, in August since he retired. I think that's – that's. I think he can go in the ring of honor. I think, I think the ring of honor is next. I think he is – it sucks what he did. He left them high and dry, especially the timing of it all. But you can't discredit what he did on the football field from a talent standpoint. Hey, Mike, the problem is – you know this as well as I do, and I'm not suggesting that it's right, but it, the moment you have that, and especially without something that helps it get further in your rear view, help, help you forget about it, and that would be yeah, obviously yeah, winning know. and success, that thing's going to get booed. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's the risk that, that's the risk that Andrew takes. And you you got to think that you, you would like to think that if that's a possibility, which it is a possibility. I don't want to say if it could be a possibility. It is a possibility. You would like to think that um, that uh, they're going to put it in Andrew's hands and say, do you, you know, is this a good time for you to come back? Could you imagine Andrew, they doing Ring of Honor in a season where the Colts are sitting at, let's just say, two and seven or something. It's late in the season. And they're sucking. They bring him back for the Ring of Honor and the quarterback play. It's just horrendous. I mean, they might be throwing peanuts from the sands in Andrew like that. Yeah, I just don't think that's anything that you would want to mess with until the fans have a really good reason. Most, if not, I'm not going to say all, it's never going to be all, but most of the fans have a good reason to completely put that era behind them. So that's yeah. my thought. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about it from that standpoint. I just thought, yeah, he needs to go ever. Yeah, holy cow. They better do it in week one of a season, man. Hey, do it in week one or week, whatever the home opener is of a season following them making the playoffs. Yeah. I'm, and again, I don't even know if they even have thoughts on doing it, but when that was asked of me, uh, that has been steadfast my response, and that continues to be even with him. Return and again, it's good coming back for the Chuck Strong gala. You know, you know, making, getting money uh, versus cancer is always a good thing. We always cheer for that, regardless. But you just know how that's going to end if you do. I think anything like that in his celebration here in that stadium, if you do that before they win anything, and you know, fair or unfair, that's how I feel, and I think a lot of people would agree. I, I think I think this is a gigantic step for Andrew Luck. To come back, and, and I mean, I, you know, obviously, you know, he was living here in Indianapolis and everything. Uh, but for him to come back and make that kind of appearance at that kind of event 
is, is, a, is a big deal. I think that is a giant step for Andrew Luck. We've seen him on the sideline of games, you know, at Stanford games and everything. But to do it and come back in Indianapolis where the cameras are going to be here nonstop and being here the way he is, I think that is a, a significant step for Andrew Luck. So I'm Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Hey, I know you got to run here. Tell uh, that awesome girl I said hello, Layla, yeah. and uh, have a have a great weekend. Uh, we we wanted we wanted New Augusta last night. That's what we played, New Augusta. Nice. Hey, we wrap up tomorrow. Uh, conference semifinals, and then uh, potentially the championship game um, out there at Franklin Central Middle School, and then middle school. The middle school career is officially done tomorrow. Uh, no matter what, it'll be done either with a loss or with a, uh, <laughs> or, or with a uh, conference championship out there. And uh, the Center Grove girls finish up next week, right? I think so. Yeah, I think hey, we're still not uh, subbing in and out offensively and defensively here. That's not you know, like Coach Spolster is not doing that for you, is he? <laughs> uh, well, we, we 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 hope not. We're uh, they're trying. They're sitting at eighteen and zero right now. They're trying to finish. Finish it up undefeated. I'm actually sitting in the car waiting on your girl right now. I'm sorry. Now. I, I didn't mean to put you in a bad spot right there. I will say this in counter. Um, our girls, we, we run a uh, an offense called molasses because that's how slow it looks. <laughs> and more importantly, though, is my girl Laney getting good run, though. That, that's, I mean, that's yeah, right yeah. There. She gets out there. She gets out there and runs. But uh, I don't know. We got a molasses offense. We don't get it up and down the floor very quickly. That's so unfortunate. You guys are playing. You guys are playing Princeton style, man. Old school Princeton style. Uh, it's more, a lot more boring than that. <laughs> so oh, but, a lot, hey, a lot hey, more, a lot more mistake prone than that too. I, I hey. just get out there. I, I just, and I, I'm bad. I say, hey, push it, push it, and it's like slow break. If you ever played in a slow break game, like everybody has to be past half court before the ball handler crosses half court. That's kind of what we look like sometimes. So, so, man, you, you guys are gigantic polar opposite of Loyola Marymount, man. Um, yes. Man, hey, listen, they wanted me to do radio, ESPN radio tomorrow night. I asked if I could do it Saturday night. I mean, excuse me, Sunday night. So, yes. 8 p.m. to midnight on Sunday night. Because, uh, listen, I, I, I need to be able to, when I'm hopping in the car running errands, to listen to you on the JMV Takeover tomorrow you got night. It, buddy. I appreciate that. So, listen for Mike Wells on ESPN radio coming up right here on Sunday night. And uh, say hello to Layla and everybody in the fam for me. We'll catch up next week. All right, brother. Be good. Have a great weekend. It's a Mike Wells of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Kyle Tonight's semifinal Friday night, and to talk more about that around the state of Indiana and certainly around the area from the Indy Star, friend of the show, Kyle Nedrip joins us now. Hello, Kyle. How are you? Hey, doing well, John. How are you doing? I'm assuming you're going to Noblesville tonight. Do you already have your ticket, if so? I hope so. I uh, double-checked, triple-checked, and I think I'm good to go. And I guess we'll find out here when I uh, when I get there. But uh, I'm hope I'm hoping I got a good seat and uh, I'm able to see a couple of great games tonight. Is this the uh, is this like a fire marshal type of game tonight? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think the second game on uh, Tuesday was sort of a fire marshal game too. So I, I think they'll <laughs> I think there's been a few of those over the years, and I, uh, certainly tonight qualifies when you got one, two, and three all playing at uh, one location. Yeah, and by the way, Hamilton Southeastern's not a member of that group, but still pretty good in its own right in that game two against Fishers later on tonight. But Westfield Noblesville, uh, what do you like about the matchup? Well, I covered the first time they played each other, and Westfield beat them, uh, beat Noblesville on their home court. So they obviously have experience and have success uh, doing that. Doing that. So, but I, I, you know, I really like this Noblesville team. I, I like both teams, honestly. But this Noblesville team is, you know, veteran team. Aaron Fine, uh, their point guard. It seems like one of those guys who's been around for a long, long time. And then they've got some other guys, you know, Hunter Walston, another senior, uh, Justin Curry, who's a sophomore coming up, and a young man, Baron Walker, who's been playing really well as a sophomore for him. So, you know, the matchup, I think, will, you know, the last game Noblesville played them, you know, they had a, they had trouble scoring inside, and a big reason for that is Nick Book, who plays the uh, interior for Westfield, had a really good game. And then, uh, of course, Trey Buchanan, also a really good player for Westfield at the guard spot. So, Probably what stands out is those, you know, those two guards, Fine Buchanan, uh, you know, and then where are they going to get production elsewhere? I, I would say, and how, how does how does Noblesville score inside? I think is a big uh, key to this game. Can they do that better than they did last time? 
And you know, it's it's uh, it'll be a it'll be a possession game. I think it's it's going to be into the fourth quarter, and you know that it'll come down to kind of whoever uh, you know performs under in the clutch in, in that situation. So it's it it'll be fun. I can't imagine that game will go uh, more than you know. I don't think it'll be decided by you know ten twelve points. I think it'll be you know three four right down to the wire, and I wouldn't expect anything less. Uh, all right, so is uh, the Buchanan kid, is he a hell of a lot better than his dad? Because that's what I've been told. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. And, you know, his, his toughness, you know, two years ago, you know, Westfield, uh, you know, Braden Smith kind of blazed a trail uh, like Wyatt Earp through the sectional. And, and, you know, Trey was part of that team. And he, he did a, you know, he played a role on that team. And, you know, he's a tough kid too. A uh, really tough competitor, you know, played played injured, you know, some in last year's sectional. And, you know, he's just, a, he's a tough dude. I think he takes after Braden some that way. And, and uh, you know, Westfield is now kind of, you know, and with with Buchanan, obviously, and Book and and Will Harvey, you know, the great golfer actually uh, has been playing well for them too. But you know, they kind of they kind of uh, I think have something established over time now, which is something they didn't have you know a few years ago. They had no no sectional titles in their history, and they finally got that one two years ago. And and Buchanan was part of that. You know, he, he's he's done a great job for that team, and and uh, he's been on a winning team, and and so is Noblesville. To be honest with you, they. They have history of winning it last year, and and those guys all uh, were part of that. Who were key parts of this year's team. So you have two teams, I think. In you know, and speaking of Buchanan and 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 Fine, you know, teams that have recent tournament success, which you know sometimes you have one and the other team doesn't. I, both these teams have that, so I think that'll you know kind of cancel each other out. Which uh, so again, it kind of you know to me this is it, it'll just come down to. Uh, you know who kind of gets it done late in he the is, fourth quarter. He's Kyle Nedenrip of the Star. He'll be at Noblesville along with the Fire Marshal later on tonight. Of course, <laughs> other sectionals here uh, around Central Indiana, around Marion County, uh, certainly in Hancock County, Greenfield sectional. Pendleton Knights and New Pal game one, uh, Muncie Central and Greenfield Central among the most impressive teams throughout the course of the regular season. I'm assuming in whatever class we're talking about, Greenfield Central has. Been been unbeaten and at the top of that list yeah they've really been a team that you know i don't even think luke meredith if you, if you asked him the the greenfield central coach you know i don't think they expected to be undefeated you know probably nobody does and they they lost some real key pieces from last year's team including dylan moles who's a great player for him and you know it's been a year where you know they, they've just kind of gained confidence throughout the season I, I covered a game earlier this year where they beat uh pendleton heights and uh in double overtime and Mullins went for 50 in that game and, and, uh, you know, played phenomenal, uh, you know, in that win, they in a last second shot to win it. So I, you know, they're, they're a team that's kind of, they seem like sort of a, a team on a magic carpet ride here. And, you know, I think, uh, both them and new pal, probably the favorites to get through tonight. Uh, although that's a tough sectional and those will both be tough games tonight. Uh, but yeah, I think all of Hancock County will be there. You know, if those two teams play each other, you'll have, you know, Julius Gizzi and and Braylon Mullins, two of the top juniors uh, in the state, two of the top scorers for sure, uh, going against each other head to head. That that would be a phenomenal game. But again, you know, weird things seem to happen on this this Friday night semifinal sectional, and uh, you know, it's it's a it's a night where, you know, what do we have? Well, my math is not very good. It's two fifty six playing tonight, so what? One hundred and twenty eight teams will be eliminated tonight. So it's it's a big. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a big cross off the list type of night, and you don't want to be on that side of things. So, you know, but we'll see some weird games. We'll see some upsets. You know, we'll see some teams go down. We thought would advance, and and uh, like I said, Greenfield's been that team that hasn't been on that side at all this year, and and I would expect them to get through. But you know, they they've got some work cut out against the Muncie Central team that that already pulled an upset over Richmond a couple nights ago. Yeah, they're, they're a lot. You look around, and they're just. Uh, I give you a great example uh, up in Lebanon. Not a great matchup if you look at it on paper with Crawfordsville, but you know, Danville has said had such a good season at nineteen and three, and then you know, Tri West on the other side at eighteen and six, and Lebanon at nine and fourteen. You look at both Danville and Tri West as you know two teams having incredibly strong regular seasons. Absolutely, and those two teams uh, covered one of their games earlier this year, and you know Danville got the better of that one. Then they beat Tri West again a couple of weeks later, but. 
you know, the difference, you know, when I covered those teams, it didn't feel like the difference was much, you know. So Danville been ranked number one uh, for a lot of this year. They're not, they, they fell a little bit uh, with a couple late losses to 4A teams. But, you know, you know, Brian Barber always, those teams are always really tough, uh, you know, physically and mentally uh, for Danville. But having to beat a team like that, I mean, I know it's cliche, you know, to beat a team three times, but especially one that's your own rival, you know, kind of in your own backyard there in Hendricks County and, and a team that's that's you know pretty talented in its own right. So you know that that I think we'll probably see that game played tomorrow night, uh, unless Lebanon and Crawford's will have something to say about it. But you know that that would be a really tough test for Danville. But it's also a Danville team. I think if they can get through, you know, they could be a, a problem for a lot of teams moving forward. You know, Evan Lawrence, their their big man inside, going to IU to play football. He's a he's a tough dude. He's a He's a basketball guy first who kind of uh, his size and athleticism ended up getting him a football scholarship. But, you know, last ride for him and, and, a, and a really good group around him. So, you know, I think that's a team to uh, keep an eye on. But, yeah, very tough test with Tri-West. The final thing, too, and I bring this up because I'm a longtime friend and obviously big fan of Mark Barnheiser and you're number 40 at Lafayette, Jeff. 13-9, and nine, you kind of look at it that way. They get 23-3 and three Kokomo. It is their host sectional, so they get this on their home hardwood. And I, I don't think it was close earlier this season in their meeting in the regular season. Is there there's something in that semifinal with Jeff and Kokomo tonight, you think? That's probably their toughest test uh, Kokomo would have, I think. Harrison uh, gave them a little bit of a – they came back and they shot a whole bunch of threes, I know, against Kokomo the other night and came up a little bit short. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it'd be a pretty tough task. I haven't haven't seen Lafayette Jeff in person this season, uh, but I've seen Kokomo a few times, and and even even besides uh, Flory Badunga, you know Carson Rogers is a six foot six senior who's I think probably played his way into the NDI All Star uh, conversation, if not on the team uh, entirely uh, with the season he's had. He, he even leads uh, Kokomo in scoring just by a shade over over Flory. So. Yeah, I think that'll be a really tough task. There aren't, you know, just Kokomo's a different team uh, just because of the size that they have. I mean, there aren't there aren't, aren't any teams out there that I've seen that have two, you know, two guys that they can go to like that, and then you know have some some pretty good guards uh, as well who are some are a little bit younger, and then you know maybe a little bit inconsistent at times. But I feel like that Kokomo team is is maybe playing the best that they've played all year uh, right now. And, and, you know, they would play, you know, looking ahead, they, they would play if they can win that uh, sectional, the winner of the uh, the Noblesville sectional. So you could have, you know, Fishers against Kokomo in the regional uh, next week. So that, that would be a really uh, interesting game there. Uh, so whoever comes out of that, you know, whoever comes out of that Noblesville sectional basically uh, would play Kokomo. So, you know, that's something to look forward to, but uh, we still got, a couple nights to go before we uh, get to that round. If you're in that Noblesville sold-out gym tonight, approach Kyle Nedenrip and say, we heard you on JMV's show a little bit earlier today. <laughs> make sure that uh, – just to make sure that he's in there tonight because the place is sold out and going to be packed. Kyle Nedenrip of the Stars, some updates on these sectional semifinals on this Friday night on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It's always a pleasure. I'm sure we'll catch up next week prior to the regionals too. Absolutely. Feel, feel free to reach out. I appreciate it, John. You got it. Kyle Ned and Rip of the Star on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I use on the road at Maryland, and joining us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline is the voice of the Hoosiers. He's friend of this show. It is Don Fisher. Hello, Don. How are you? Good, John. How you doing, bud? When are you leaving tomorrow? Uh, sometime mid-afternoon. So you got to head down to Bloomington sometime tomorrow. You'll get there because you drive so damn fast in about 37 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, the airport takes a, a touch longer than that just because it it's out there in the west side of the community, if you if you know what I mean. <laughs> it, um, it, it, they try to make you, when you go to the Monroe County Airport, they try to make you go to Greene County. They do. <laughs> if, you, if you keep going down 45, you'll eventually get to Greene County. Exactly. So they, they try to get you to go out there, but, uh, yeah, the Monroe County Airport is the, the spot. Hey, I don't want to start talking about Tuesday night a little bit, though. That, that, to me, we've talked about playing hard, consistently playing hard. We've talked about being focused, consistently being focused. 
uh, you might have another game in mind. To me, that was the best at home against Wisconsin. That's the best we've seen out of this IU team from start to finish, especially including the fire alarm situation. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about that. Indiana did have a 15-point lead in the first half uh, with about six and a, a little over six minutes to go in the half. Uh, kind of let that slip a little bit by halftime. It was down to five, and then uh, slowly Wisconsin started coming back in the second half. And by the time they got to the to the fire alarm problem, uh, the game was tied at 54 all with 10 minutes and six seconds left. So from that point forward, though, this team hung in there. Uh, they battled. Uh, it kind of changed hands a couple of times as we went along there at the end. And yet this ball club was able to find a way to get it done, which was really good to see because we haven't seen that a lot here of late. And without question, it was a huge win for the ball club. And it got a little bit of that confidence back we've been talking about that they've been lacking. Yeah, Don, that was a variety of situations you just mentioned. That team in the past, we had seen them wilt under circumstances like that. Even the one that is is so odd because Greg Gard was upset and really – Anybody is on the other side of that if you're on the road and that happens and you're making a run, you're going to be upset and you're going to complain about it. But I felt at the time, Don, that could equally affect IU where they are considering the lead that they gave up. But I I thought in terms of punching and counterpunching, they gave IU fans all you could ask for and all you could want after that fire alarm. No question. Uh, I, there's no doubt about it. And, and I understand why Greg would be upset. And, yeah. you know, if you were in the same position, you would be too. But that's it, it's not anybody's fault other than the fact that somebody did pull the fire alarm. And for whatever reason, they had to evacuate the facility. And next thing you know, uh, they start pouring everybody back in. It didn't last as long as I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to be probably a 25 or 30-minute type of delay. But it actually, I think, turned out to be about 15 minutes in total. Um, And we never really went off the air. We were about ready to send it back to the studios uh, back at Learfield uh, to play part of the coaches' show because there wasn't anything else we could talk about at that point. And we were thinking that they were going to evacuate us as well. But that never really occurred. And by the time – uh, you know, by the time the two teams came out to start warming up again, we had still been on the air at that juncture and didn't have to send it back to Jeff City. So <laughs> it was uh, the way it happened, though, I understand why Greg would be upset at the same time. Uh, I, whether it helped Indiana or not, nobody could really know. But the good news is Indiana never stopped fighting, and the intensity level with which they played in this ball game at both ends of the floor was the best we've seen in weeks. So is the protocol, by the way, uh, with the evacuation of a fire alarm, are, are you just screwed, Don, as a broadcaster? You just got to stay in there? <laughs> well, if, if there would have been a really severe, uh, if there would have been a severe issue and smoke would have been pouring out, I would have gotten up out of my chair and <laughs> left myself. Uh, I would have told the boys in Jeff City to fend for themselves. <laughs> Did you exhaust all your content? during that time pretty much <laughs> but i mean the, the, the thing about it was that we didn't really know yeah. why we never heard uh, until later on and the reason we hadn't heard and i didn't know this but when a fire alarm goes off in assembly hall it shuts down the pa system and hmm. and, and all we would hear every, about every probably every minute was the alarm going off again. And so when they started evacuating people, of course, and and there were people up above who were evacuating much sooner than the people down below because they just, you couldn't, you didn't hear it. You heard it up above, but you didn't hear it down below initially. And then you started hearing it down below. And obviously everybody's getting out of their seats and they're heading for the exits, which is what they're supposed to do. And I thought they did a magnificent job of getting the people out of there so fast. It was amazing and orderly. And uh, so that's the good news uh, from, from, from the standpoint of what, what took place. But, but the truth of the matter is they were able to get people back in there fairly quickly, too. So 
uh, I, you know, I was proud of what the Indiana, uh, you know, the people, the ushers and, and the police and everybody that was yeah. involved in this whole thing, how they handled it. Well, I will say this, too, but so many of those those ushers and those first responders, they, they're a part of that every single game, too. And yep. it's it really is a, a good group that rarely gets any recognition. But in a moment like that, they certainly should, because, again, they've been doing that for such a long time. They're well versed in any circumstances and that's one that was a true curveball. No question. <laughs> it was definitely a curveball, but handled quite well by, by the university and by everybody involved. And, uh, you know, when we finally found out, uh, you know, what the deal was, they already started filing some people back in, and it just didn't take very long to get everybody back in there. In. And, again, there's always some people who go out and, you know, some of the elderly, you know, that probably said, now we're going home at this yeah. point. We're not coming back in. But most everybody came back in, and especially, especially the students. And the, the one negative for the students was they could all get back in there, and the ones that were at the end of the line, which would have been probably the people in the front row, some of those people didn't get back to their same seats, so they were probably a little bit Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. those students could take, you know, it's first come, first serve for the students, so. It, it was a smoke alarm in the uh, connecting hallway between Cook Hall and Assembly Hall. Is that what I heard? I I thought it was in the balcony. I was, was told it? that it was in the balcony. Yes, that's where the alarm was pulled. So I don't know if it was in the actual balcony itself or if it was just in that in those hallways outside the balcony. Don, how many times have you been in the balcony there? Uh, I've been there twice. I've been there uh, once, and it was like the worst experience of my life. <laughs> Well, I, trust me, I never saw a whole game. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, I actually snuck in the building, <laughs> and I was in the watching a practice session that I wasn't supposed to. Be. Wait, but you, you, wait, wait, we got to know the background now. That so, what you snuck into the building watching a practice session you were not supposed to elaborate, no, please. I, didn't, I, did, I didn't, I didn't sneak into the building itself. I snuck into the balcony. Ah because the curtains were all closed and it wasn't Indiana practice. So I wasn't trying to spy on some other team. As you know, I've said many times, I'm not, I'm not a coach and I'm not an X and O guy. Right. I just know. what. I see. Uh, so at any rate, I was just, and I wanted to see this practice. I can't remember exactly what all the details of it were. Other, this is like, this would have been 30 years ago. So. No, you I got that right on top it. of your head right there. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. So at any rate, long story short, um, I snuck into the and, and watched about five minutes of the practice session, and nothing was happening. So I got out. <laughs> I um, this is a, a true story. When I I worked for and and you know this uh, broadcasting outlet historically. Uh, artistic media partners when I was working down there in Bloomington, um, they, they so graciously set me up in the old field house. Um, it was like a, a bunch of parties and such leading up to a game. And I was in a dunk tank for artistic media partners. And you know how much I was getting paid for that. Nothing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with, 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 you know, RIP to Art Gotti, man. I mean, he was going to wiggle free of paying you a cent for anything, and that certainly was not going to be anything worthy of being compensated. And that's really, that is that's hilarious because Art got and I loved Art. I yes. mean, he was such a good guy in so many ways, but he was he was really chintzy. <laughs> oh well, he's yeah. That's the nicest thing you could say. And every time we had a contract, and we had two contract negotiations, my first year there, I basically had to. I basically said, "All right, if you want me to get an attorney, I will." <laughs> 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 he said, "No, we don't need to do that." And finally, we got it all taken care of. I wasn't even asking for a raise. I was just asking for what I got the year before. He was trying, he was trying to get me down to like a thousand dollars less than what I made the year before. That and is, I said that ain't gonna work. That is not gonna work. <laughs> the last time I saw him was at a Pacer game, and he he and Artie and I like Artie too. Uh, his yep. son, they walked up to me at a Pacer game, and, and Donnie goes, you know, with his voice, he goes, Hey, hey, Gliva, I, I hear you're making fun of me on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> no, Art, Art was a, he was yeah. a wonderful guy in yeah. so many ways. And Judy, as uh, secretary, was the best ever. 
loved her to death. But but we spent I spent two years in his offices uh, when University Broadcasting actually had the broadcast rights for the first year. And then he allowed me to use his office space uh, up there in his studio or up there in his offices himself. And he allowed me to, <laughs> to have a desk up there and uh, Judy and I got to talk every day and our, uh, er, occasionally because he was either gone or, or doing something else. So, but, but he was a great guy and, and I really enjoyed working for him at the same time, every negotiation yes. that we had, it took forever to get it done. Yeah. There's a reason why he made a lot of money in that, that business is because he was, exactly. he was a shrewd uh, negotiator, uh, to, to <laughs> I will tell you this, Rick Evans, who also I think works for IMS in production, Rick Evans is a longtime friend and has worked for artistic media partners, I I think forever, I don't know how many years it goes back, he needs like a golden lifetime achievement award at some point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like some big some big trophy made of solid gold saying holy hell how did you do this yes uh, well i guarantee you anybody that has worked that long for that organization would say exactly the same thing and rick rick evans is yes. one of the nicest yep. human beings you would ever run into I've never seen him mad i've never i mean i know he gets mad occasionally but i've never seen him mad and uh, he handles everything with such a plum. It's just amazing. And uh, he does a tremendous job for the IMS, uh, you know, the Indianapolis Sports mm-hmm. Network and, and what they do all year round with their racing and all that kind of stuff. And then he does the morning shows for artistic media and for WHCC, which is the radio station that's our affiliate in Bloomington. Uh, he does the morning show. And I'm on his Monday morning show all during football and basketball season, like I am with you during. Yep. Uh, football and basketball with your show as well but uh and rick is just spectacular and yes. and he's done a couple of our talk shows this year too but he had to sub in for uh, one of our engineers that uh, couldn't make it so at any rate uh just a wonderful person and obviously has ran that radio station for many moons now and does a tremendous job he um he is one of the all-time greatest because he, he is perfect he does everything if you need yeah. him for anything, he can do it. And he's always been called upon in that capacity. There is nobody. You know this, too. Like, like I, I can do this one thing, and if it's anything technical, I'm screwed. He knows how to do everything. I mean, everything that needs to keep you on the air or you know, keep a show going or keep a station going. And that is such an incredible high value. They have been lucky to have him all these years. Oh, there's no question about it. And uh, I I guarantee you they know how lucky they are to have him, too, because he's done a phenomenal job in every capacity that he's had there. And I think he's had every capacity that there is to have. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Well, I was supposed to go. uh, 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 Joe Koppel, who works here, and I worked at B97 together. And and then John Callahan, who was a longtime B97 guy, uh, they went and had breakfast at Uptown on Wednesday. I was supposed to go, but get, get this. So I had to go get my credential before noon to go to the Combine, and I was supposed to talk to Shane Steichen and, and Ian Rappaport, the reason why I was there. Steichen got sick and didn't make it, and Rappaport just basically walked out on me. So that was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> what pull power you have, big boy. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I said he just walked right out the door. I go, hey, where are you going? So all I've done all week is cuss the combine. That's it. I thought, I'm not going back. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, I'm not sure I want to see that anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, and what you're thinking is exactly right. I will say this. For fans, if you want to go, for example, later on tonight and, you know, be a part of what they do, that is fun. Josh Downs of the Colts will be down there. That stuff is worth it for what I do in the time in the afternoon when basically there's nobody in there. It's not worth it. So that's yeah. that's the yeah. difference there. For the fans, it is worth it, and I can understand why it's fun. Sure, sure, absolutely. But but, but for broadcast, no. not so much. You just walked right out, and you know, and I go back to the days where Adam Schefter and I got into it a couple of different times at the combine, and it's never it hasn't done my career a great deal of good ever. <laughs> well, there are several things that uh, haunt yes. all of us. If you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 
Yes. So that's that's certainly one of them. Hey, on the road coming up on Sunday at two o'clock in Maryland, Hoosiers able to to follow up what I thought was an impressive win over Wisconsin and and maybe have a more consistent overall effort on the road in Maryland Sunday. Well, that's what it's going to take. There's no question. Uh, Indiana's next two games are on the road at Mar- at Maryland, at Minnesota. Both of those teams have been victories this year when they played them at home. Uh, but both could be defeats if they don't play up to their capability. If they play like they did against Wisconsin this past week, they will win both those ball games because they have the better team, in my opinion. But obviously, this ball club has been very inconsistent. We've talked about this at nauseum this year. Um, Xavier Johnson came back this last ball game, wasn't particularly effective, but I think just his presence helped. And his, he's always better at the defensive end, I think, than he is at the offensive end because he gives you a guy that's quick enough, athletic enough to stay with the quickest guy in their ball club, which gives you an advantage in some respects, at least at the defensive end of the floor. And, uh, you know, he, he, you know, he bounced back after the Nebraska game, which was uh, back on January the 3rd, after sitting out a month and played horribly in that ball game. And the next game out against Ohio State, he played tremendous. He played, his, I think, his best game of the season, scored 18 points, uh, dished out assists, didn't turn the ball over. Um, and hopefully that's what's going to happen in this next ball game because he'll have a game under his belt now as he comes back against Maryland after the Wisconsin yeah, and where incredibly impressive to say the least. And oh, yeah. we need to talk about that double double. Certainly, I just I, I thought, and he mentioned this after the game too, that guys got him the ball in comfortable positions to score, and it was it was a give or take there because he was he was scoring at a high volume and doing you know what you you expect him to do, but teammates were putting him in that position. Well, he had 20 points in the first half of the ball game, and then the second half, he kind of disappeared for a while. They didn't get the ball to him nearly as much as I thought they would. You got to ride that horse as long mm. as he's standing up. Right. Uh, and and obviously, uh, the start of the second half, that's part of the reason I thought Wisconsin was able to get back in the ball game because they just weren't getting the ball to him as much as they did in the first half. Now, some of that might have been because of Wisconsin and the defense that they were playing at that point. Uh, that they got better at, but uh, he was such a tremendous uh, player in this contest. He had 27 points, 11 rebounds. That's his 12th double-double of the year. And, you know, for all we heard about, uh, you know, how he was not the guy when he was at Oregon and all that kind of stuff and how he didn't work hard and, and didn't play hard and all that kind of thing, can't say that about him this year. He has been one of their staples so far this season. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, you going to our table tonight? Uh, probably not. Uh, not this evening. No. Right. Hey, QC Kinetics, we doing that still? Yeah, well, I, I've just done it the one time, and I've got to go back next Friday. That's my next appointment, and uh, things are going well at this juncture. Uh, those people have done a terrific job, I know, and for a lot of different people. Yes. And I've had more people come up to tell me that uh, they've – They've experienced that, and so I'm excited about it. I really am, and, and the knee is still not where it needs to be, but it's getting better. You're going to be playing golf until you're like 109. That'd be that'd be uh, probably – I don't think I'll be 109. <laughs> 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 that would be an astounding accomplishment, to say the least. Yes, I mean, that's what I'm thinking right there. But, no, seriously, it does it does work. And, and I, for one, I've been through everything from surgeries to yeah, taking drugs all the time, every single time you go out and play, and lengthy rehabs, and um, this certainly has worked. It's, it's been an awesome, an awesome, for me, way to get back into it without doing the stuff I'd done prior. Absolutely. Uh, if you can avoid the knife, yep. <laughs> that is the key key aspect of getting older avoid the knife at all costs qc kinetics right there with uh me and don fisher enjoying it uh, certainly to this point all right well safe travels in that uh, 25 26 minutes it takes to get to bloomington and monroe county airport tomorrow when you get down there for that plane <laughs> i appreciate it john thanks we'll be uh, listening coming up on sunday thanks don you bad, bud. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, and uh, QC Kinetics customer right there.